Log in your cassette player. It's time for Rec Play, the real creator talk show. Hello everyone and welcome back to Rec Play. I'm Patrick and uh, today we're going to be talking about finances involving uncertain times. So with us we have today uh, financial advisor Lynn Sok who will be joining us. Hey Patrick, how are you? Good and yourself? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you. And we're also joined by uh, many other people who, who are joining our Zoom call right now to uh, share, uh, to eventually share their experience and uh, as well as uh, sharing um, their tips and their solutions for, for uh, how, to, how to manage finances during uncertain times. Before that, Lynn, why don't you uh, give us a little introduction of what is it that you do as a financial advisor? Um, my name is Lynn Sock and I am a financial security advisor. I'm Montreal based. I'm licensed to operate in both Ontario and in Quebec. I've been in the business since 2003 and have pretty much always worked um, for myself. I am I'm what would more commonly be known. I'm a broker. So I work with a lot of different financial institutions and about 80% of my clientele are small business owners or freelancers, people who are self-employed. Um, so this is something that's very dear to my heart. So over the past eight weeks since COVID-19 started, I've been trying my best to reach out to people who are entrepreneurs and, and just don't know where else to, to turn. Um, I specialize in, in insurance and investments. So and just anything money related, you could reach out to me. If I can't help you, somebody in my network will be able to help you. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, right now we're dealing on uncertain times when we talk about, you know, COVID, you know, hitting worldwide and so on. But I just want to point out, you know, uncertain times could be any time. Uncertainty exactly. can happen, you know, for example, if that forbid someone falls ill or, or uh, deaf in the family or yourself, you know, uncertain, you know, those are uncertain times. When you lose a job, it's uncertain times. When something out of the ordinary happens and it, it forces you to stop, like it happened right now, it is uncertain times. So we just want, I just want to clarify that that what, what we're going to be talking about today and the solutions that we're, that Lynn is going to be suggesting or some of you will be contributing is not only for COVID-19, but really to look at the, the, uh, the scope and seeing what are, what are things that we can do to safeguard ourselves, especially uh, financially, uh, to be there to, uh, for the un unexpected. Even before you start about talking about saving up for a rainy day, and today is that rainy day that, you know, our people who are older than us always taught us, save up for a rainy day, rainy day. today is that day, you know, it's the unexpected that happened. Even before that, you need to really sit down and organize your finances. You need to know how much you make and how much you spend. And it's very basic, but you would be surprised the amount of people, no matter what their income level, most people don't know what the answer to that question. One of the first questions I ask clients is how much do you earn and how much do you spend? Because in order for me to, to suggest any solutions or to create any type of financial plan, I need to know that. I need to know that even before the debts, right? So um, my, my advice would be just to start, start from scratch, go back to basics. And that's what I've been trying to work with um, entrepreneurs right now during this moment, because there are a lot of people who have a little bit of extra time. Just go back to basics. Pretend you're starting from scratch. Depend, pretend you're 18 years old again with your first job at McDonald's and you just want to know what to do with your $200 paycheck. Just start from, start from scratch. The best time to start saving is yesterday. You know, I hear it over and over again. People say, I, I know I need to save up. I know I need to save up. The best time to start is yesterday. 
You know, because with each passing day that you don't put money aside is another day you're not going to get back, just like any other decision. And what happens is, is that we, until we're pushed up against the wall, we're not going to do it. And this applies to anything. This applies to even outside of what we're living through right now. A lot of people will use the, the excuse, I don't have the money. You do have money. Everybody has some form of income coming in, however small it is. Start with $5. It doesn't sound like a lot, but it's better than what you did yesterday. So the answer to that question, when should you start and what, what's the first step? Start right away and stick to that plan, whatever that plan is. Mm-hmm. And then, you'll, you know, it's baby steps, just like with the diets, you know, with diets and exercise, you have to take that first step. Mm-hmm. Now, the, to- the topic that we chose for today actually came when um, the government started giving us funding. Mm-hmm. Especially for those who lost their jobs, you know, they, uh, most people got the SERP, which they got the $2,000 per month. And like the, the biggest uncertainty was we don't know how long this is going to last. At the same time, the government predicted uh, like, um, like up, it was up to four months of paying people. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you suggest in this case? Because like most people, okay, I mean, in our today's reality with the news and stuff, things are starting to reopen as they say, but there's also, there's still the uncertainty of when exactly that will be and when is it going to happen, you know, is this gonna happen again? So would right now, uh, those who apply for CERB have applied for two months so far, like they've received two months of funding. Mm -hmm. Um, Should they think about like stretching that? I'm not talking about the government, but I'm talking about the the people who receive the money. Should they start thinking about, about like stretching that that saving that they got from from SERP to a couple of for a couple of months because there's there's uncertainty if if we're gonna receive new funding if the jobs are gonna open and so on like what what would you suggest for that like how should people act or what should people do with the with the SERP money they've received with the SERP money or whatever income it is that's coming in and Diane I'll get to your to your comments in a second um, whatever money that you're getting in right now use it wisely. Okay, I would like to say that everybody who is receiving government money is using it wisely, and that's not true. I, I, I see people online, I spend a lot of time on social media, as you probably do as well. I see a lot of people binge spending online, buying a lot of things on Amazon, buying a lot of things on Rakuten that they can't really afford. Is that really the wise thing, the right thing to do? Because like you said, we don't know how long this is going to go on. Right now at this very moment, the only thing that we know is is that CERB is going to last for up to four months. What if this extends past the four months? We don't know. Okay, so to answer your question, I, I I have two avenues to take this. Number one, start putting some of that money aside. That's number one. How much? It really depends on what your expenses are and that you have to open up a conversation with all the companies, all the lenders, your, your landlord, your, your mortgage lender, whoever it is, open up and have a conversation with them because I can't answer that question. I was actually in a, um, in a conference call earlier today with a, with a commercial real estate lawyer. And one of the common questions that comes up is, well, you know, what do I do with my rent? Well, exactly. What do you do with your rent? I can't tell you what to do. Uh, you know, the next person can tell you what to do. You have to have that conversation with your, with your landlord. So if you are having trouble, you have to have conversations with everybody that you owe money to, that rely on you for their income. That's number one. Number two, we really don't know how long this is going to last for. So what if, you know, the government decides that we're going to, they're going to cut everything off after the four-month period. Well, guess what? You're going to have to find another way to, to, to earn an income. 
And that's the reality of it. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people who have been in their industries for many years. They don't know anything else besides what they do, which is fine. But as I always tell people, you have to take the emotion out of your decisions. And you can't get emotionally attached to your, to your business, to, your, to whatever gig work that you do or, or the house that you own. The reality is, if this lasts longer than four months and the government isn't going to be there to bail us out, you're going to have to make that big girl or big boy decision and say, hey, I need to make an income. I might need to downsize. At the end of the day, I'm the one who has to pay my bills, not the person next to me, not my, not my father, not my mother, not my best friend who's telling me that there are other ways to do it. You are responsible for your bills. So I always talk about taking the emotions out of it because a lot of people make, make financial decisions and business decisions with a lot of emotion. Like people fall in love with their business. People in love with the, fall in love with their homes. But sometimes there comes a time when you have to say, listen, this is not good for me anymore. And I need to figure out the next step. So that's, I think, you know, now we're a little bit comfortable because people are starting to receive their, their money from the government. But we have to get in our heads that we do not know how much longer this is going to last for. And this is for, you know, we're talking about COVID-19 right now, but this applies through any part of life. You know, sometimes things happen, life happens, life will throw you curveballs mm -hmm. and you will have to make an emotionalist decision. And how do you do that? You organize your thoughts and you create a plan. If you can't create a plan on your own, you look, you look for help. You look for experts or professionals who can help you out. Um, Diane had brought up a comment in the chat about the service being taxable. It is a taxable benefit. Um, so is employment insurance. So if somebody goes on, on employment insurance, which is more commonly known as unemployment, that's also a taxable benefit. What does that mean? First of all, don't believe the memes that are circulating online. People don't know what they talk about. I'm not, I can't police every meme that I see about that. Basically, there are memes going on saying that you should keep at least half of your CERB because they're going to claw it back when it comes to the tax time. Here's how it's taxed. It's taxed based on your income, whatever tax bracket you fall under. So for example, let's say you collect the full $8,000 of CERB and for the rest of the year, you earn $10,000. Right, that means you make $18,000 throughout the year, correct? Right, so you'll be taxed on $18,000. It doesn't mean that you're gonna pay back $9,000. If you're taxed, it's a, it's a taxable benefit, it's a taxable income. And just like when you're self-employed, what you receive in your pocket throughout the year is a gross amount. But at the end of the year, you're gonna pay taxes depending on how much you know, how much you earn, how many, how much you have in deductions, if you have any tax credits, et cetera. So for the exact amount that you're going to pay back in taxes, you should talk to your lawyer or, uh, sorry, your accountant or whoever it is that does your, your taxes. Now we're getting some comments and also questions from the live audience. So uh, if you, if you want to unmute yourself and say it out loud, please, you're welcome to, to join the conversations as well as if you have your own, if you want to share your own experiences or if you have like anything that you've been doing to saving up, please, please do share. It will always help uh, the rest of the people who are listening in. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Patrick. Hello. I'm Claudia and I am a photographer. It's uh, my second year in business. So of course it, it hit me hard you know, in, the, in that sense. And I also do homeschooling for a kid. And my 
question to Lynn is not that um, doesn't pertain to me, but maybe a little. But how do you think the small entrepreneurs will uh, manage the fact of having uh, once we can go out there, you know, the coffees, the lunches, the little extras that I know it's a coffee, but it's the five dollars. You know, like you'd say the example, you can save it. How do you think we can handle that without being cheap? No, um, because when in one way is like the way to nurture also clients, but but uh, every penny will count, right? Yeah, every penny will count. And listen, everybody has their, their vices, right? Like I love going out for coffee. So I spend a lot of money on going out for coffee and I will not change that. However, I don't spend a lot of money on restaurants. You know, everybody has, you have to look at your situation. And I'm not, when I work with clients, I'm not here to tell you what to change in your, in your life or in your business and how you spend your money. I'm here to tell you, this is how you spend your money. You don't like it. What change do you need to make? You know, and I always, when I, when I do budget coaching with clients, I always refer back to a, a personal trainer, right? People will hire a personal trainer to show them how to, what exercises to do and, and you know, what kind of diet to follow depending on their personal situation because not everybody is the same. But at the end of the day, the personal trainer can't change your whole lifestyle. They could coach you into, into it. But at the end of the day, you have to pick and choose what you're willing to let go of first. And then once you start seeing results, you'll see, you'll see that you'll change. You'll, you'll just naturally start to change because people don't like to change or make, make big steps if they don't see any changes. So take a look at your expenses, right? What you spend money on in order to do that. You have to know exactly what you spend money on. And when I do budget coaching for clients at the end of the month, what I do is I produce a report for them and I show them in the form of a pie chart, exactly how they spend their money. And a lot of people like that, exactly. A lot of people don't realize how much they spend and, um, and you need to see it. Right. And I have a nice little pie graph that shows you. So it's very visual. Um, people tend not to like numbers, but they understand if they see a big chunk of their paycheck or a big chunk of their income is spent, let's say on going out to bars and they didn't even realize it because it's just $20 here and $30 there. But then when you add it up, all of a sudden it's $600 a month, you know, and I'm not, again, I'm not here to tell you stop going out to bars, stop going out to coffee, stop going out to restaurants. You have to decide that, but in order for you to make that decision, you have to know what the numbers are. Okay. Thank you. But I was just also meaning on the client side, would it be okay if I continue if it's, let's say my first time with you, uh, like having a Zoom meeting or, you know, uh, even a call, uh, in order not to go out to spend the coffee, like, do you think some relationships can be kept at the beginning via still, uh, like the confinement and then go and spend, um, you know, time for the client or if I do the shooting, uh, in order not to come back to the same old spending. Because I meant more, that's when I said, I don't want to be cheap with clients, but mm -hmm. if it's also the first encounter with you, I had had already some meetings with people that that half an hour has been more productive and I didn't waste gasoline. I didn't have the coffee. We'll had it. And then maybe eventually when I can go out, then that's it. I can have a contract. So do you think even after we go out, would it be okay like, to continue doing these things? Because financially it makes sense even for both, right? instead of having to do the other spendings as usual? Well, listen, when it comes to taking 
prospects or potential clients out. Like I, I have a general rule. Like when I do spend money, I go back to my office and think to myself, how much did this meeting cost me? And when you've been in business for a while, you could kind of figure out who just wants a free meal and who is actually serious or who wants to have a meeting for the sake of having meetings. Um, this comes from, from experience, right? So if now we're talking about two different things now. One is how you, how, how you funnel your clients and your prospects, how you funnel your pipeline and then having coffee. I mean, have a coffee if you want, that's fine. <laughs> but if you're always taking clients out for coffee or, or for drinks or for dinner and there's nothing coming out of it, well, it's not working. It's either work on your sales strategy or um, work with a sales coach or maybe there's something in your pitch that isn't working or maybe it's the quality of the, of the people, uh, of the prospects that you're meeting. Maybe they're getting a different vibe from you and listen, uh, I, I know you outside of here, so I know that, that it's, it's been a couple of years you're in the business. This is something that you'll only get gain with experience. If you want to jump start it, then I would suggest that you, you hire a, a coach. And if you do hire a coach, look around because there are a lot of different coaches. Find one who's going to work well with your personality and with your business type. Thank you. You're welcome. Out of curiosity, I just want to know who here is um, self-employed or have, have their own company? If you can like show of hands or maybe in the chat. Okay. Some I would people. like to be soon, but like uh, to be not soon. just yet. Yeah. <laughs> not I, <now>. actually, <laughs> I actually want to expand on this point being that um, like someone who's been running, you know, my own, I've been running my own company for over eight years now. And um, a lot of people in our community are doing the same too. A lot of creative people, a lot of creative entrepreneurs, you know, they're running their own uh, small business. And a lot of times, you know, the, the uncertainty is like all the time for us where our paycheck is never consistent, but whatever money we're receiving, whatever uh, revenue we're receiving from our clients is never consistent. So um, in my case, I started now project by project doing budgeting, which was something I wasn't doing before. But I think like Lynn, you mentioned like some things come with experience and that's what happened to me where it took me some time of knowing, okay, how much is my business costing me? like in general, like a fixed cost. How much, if I do this project, how much money can I actually invest or how much can I actually make so that I can budget myself? And now I started budgeting before even getting involved with the projects. And that's, all, that's the only time where I've seen like, you know, huge lump sums of profit coming in because I've been able to like limit myself and saying, well, okay, like, like uh, I know Claudia were mentioning like meetings, the same thing. Like I used to go to so many meetings spending so much money uh, on wh whether it's paying for the team or, or even just, you know, spending gas or transit money that I didn't need to do. Like we could have had a meeting online, for example, like it all added up at the end of the day. Um, Lynn, what's one thing that you can suggest maybe to people who are like in my situation where, you know, we're running our own business and the uncertainty moments are like every time, like we never know like how much money we're going to make every time as things, things can change and, and evolve. Well, um, I actually, over the weekend, I, I, I was on another event on Monday and I brought this up. I was on Facebook and I was, I was browsing through and I saw in one of the entrepreneur groups that I belong to that someone had posted that she quit her job and she was 100% self-employed. Look at me. And uh, everybody congratulated her and said, oh my God, that's fantastic. Welcome to the self-employed entrepreneurship world. When I see posts like that, my heart sinks. Because nine times out of 10, that person who just quit her job and jumped into the self-employed world is not ready for it. 
is not financially ready for it, their business isn't structured well, they don't have the foundation, and they're just joining this social media hype about how great it is to be an entrepreneur. It's hard, it's very hard. I'm gonna tell you personally, when I started out as a financial advisor, I worked for a, a large wealth management firm, and we weren't allowed to have a job on the side, right? And I was 23 years old when I started out. I had a young family, just married. Um, I didn't come from money. So I didn't have that luxury of having a huge bank account. I worked at night. I worked night shift in a call center from, I think it was 10, 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. I would come home, bring my son to daycare, and then go into the office. I would wash my face, take a nice shower, and go into the office. Um, my eyes were bloodshot red because I had been up all night. But this was the game that I had to play in order to work for that wealth management firm. And that lasted a year, but I almost died that year because I didn't sleep, right? And so just be smart. Don't believe the hype that you see on social media. Plan it out. And I've always said, you know, if push comes to shove, and I say that with, I say this to my friends who are also entrepreneurs, if push comes to, to shove and tomorrow I have no more job, let's say something happens and I have no more job, I'm no longer able to, to earn an income through my business, I have no problems going out and getting a regular job. And people have to understand that. Like, that's a reality, right? Um, as great it is, as it is to be an entrepreneur, unexpected things happen. You need to prepare yourself financially. I talk a lot about insurance, even though people don't like insurance. Guess what? Insurance is the cheapest way to protect your income. And I wish more entrepreneurs would take it seriously because if they were to get injured, um, they're not covered by any government program. Mm -hmm. You know, luckily we're getting money. We're getting money now. I know it's not a disability or, or a sickness or anything, but we're getting bailed out right now, but a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand that the minute they quit their job, there's only a, a, a certain time frame that they're allowed to get sick and still be covered by EI. After that, you're on your own. Absolutely. And I, uh, I want to share also like one of, I guess, one of my mistakes that I wish I knew beforehand, and it comes back to it again, the budgeting is that um, sometimes when you launch your business, especially all this social media hype, like a lot of people you would hear would say, yeah, they made let's say twenty thousand in a span of a couple of months, and that's you know they're not lying. Like I've I've done that too. However, when one of my mistakes not budgeting also make me spend maybe that much or even more, resulting me to a loss. So I know whenever you talk about emotions, you know getting emotionally attached. I remember uh, my my first couple of years um, when I had a job, I was like, okay, well I'm making I don't know like three k or four k in in a couple of weeks when I'm able to make I don't know, like I, I made a, I, I did a contract and I got, let's say 10K in, in the same amount of time. And then I'm like, oh, so this is great. I could, I could do this over time. Why, why would I work 40 hours a week and do this? But one thing I didn't realize was that to getting that same amount or sorry, get more amount in a short amount of time involved me working more hours than yeah. actually. Yeah. So one of the, one of the things is when, when I'm doing my budgeting now, I'm also including how much time am I spending? on completing this project and is it worth it or that I count that as I put my if I was paid per hour in my budget to kind of know like how much I want to get paid as well as a minimum so I can I can try to beat that when I'm when I'm doing my projects and stuff so I can say like yeah if, if I did 50 hours a week well I'm I want to get paid 50 hours a week I don't want to get paid like two hours or so on you know which 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 happened a lot of times 
-hmm. So with, with this, I, I see a lot of, again, I see a lot of comments in the Zoom and stuff. Please, if you are feeling to, you want to share and stuff, we, we definitely want to hear from you. Just one little comment, Patrick, for people who are thinking about um, leaving their full-time job to become, um, to become a full-time entrepreneur. The first thing, and you know, it's back to basics, budgeting, income, expenses, right? How much you're bringing in, how much you're putting out. Um, and so the, it's a very basic advice that I give to people who want to make that transition. How much money do you need to earn per month from your self-employed job, from your business in order to quit your job? How much of a shortfall do you have? So is it $1,000 you need to make? Is it $1,500? Is it $2,000? Is it $5,000? There's a number. There is a number that you need to come up with based on your, based on your income and expenses before you could even think about quitting your job. Mm -hmm. and, and that's my advice. I don't care what is out there. I don't care, you know, how many of these uh, mastermind, you know, events that people go to encouraging them to quit their job. At the end of the day, you are stuck with your bills. Okay. Uh, absolutely. I, we, I we, see it all we the all time. have expenses, live expenses. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's not a popular comment, but it, it's the reality. I see it all the time and it just breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I find it's good that you keep like your full-time job. And that sort of like kind of pays your way up to becoming then on your own, right? So, so it's essentially uh, what I'm doing now too. Uh, so is that I'm using that uh, to my advantage and kind of make my way up so that then eventually then I can be on my own too. Um, so, so yeah, I just wanted to, to give that point out. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pick up all the tools of the trade that you could pick up. I mean, I was, you know, I joke around with my friends. I was never a good employee, right? Because every job I have ever had in my life, my goal at that job was to learn as much as I could about the business. So that if I ever had to start my own business, I would know the trade, whatever industry it was in. If anybody has a job out there and I apply for it, please don't hire me because I'll steal, steal all your ideas and open up a business across the street. That's just my personality. <laughs> but you know, while you're working, you know, learn as, and, and if you're aspiring to be an entrepreneur, learn as much as you can about business. You know, every business is run differently depending on who's managing it and who owns it. And you know, you could see what works and what doesn't work and what you like and what you don't like. Good point. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Diane brought up a, a point. First meeting should always be a phone call. That I like that too. I um, I'm a little lazy, so that that's another reason why I like having phone calls <laughs> as my first contact. Um, and also, you can usually tell over the phone how how serious um, how serious they are, and if it's worth leaving your home or your office to go meet them. I, I could definitely again share as a you know, running, uh, doing a lot of like, not mistakes, but I guess you learn this by experience, like you said, going to a lot of meetings and having, you know, like loose ends. There's like, it's always like a dead end at the end. Like there's nothing happening. And that, mm -hmm. that's all things that I had to take in, you know, in caution and decide, okay, is this, is this time worth, you know, going seeing someone or can it, can it be resolved by an email? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I wish people would be more honest. Like in my field, I, I come across people who, say that they want the, they, they need investment information and whatnot, but what they really are doing is either A, they're fishing for information, which I could tell almost right away, like I'll ask them over the phone because I know the key questions to ask, or B, they know they need to get, let's say, life insurance, but they really don't have that much money, but they don't want to tell me that. But I already, I've already figured it out before 
it, it gets to that point, right? You have to be like, in, in my case, I, I like people to be honest with me and just let me know, listen, this is what I want, but I really can't afford it. This is what my budget is. It's $10. Tell me it's $10. If it's workable, we'll work, we'll work it out. If it's not workable, I'll say, listen, it can't happen. Come back to me. You know, we'll, we'll review this in six months, a, a year from now. I just want to tell a, a quick example. Uh, Lynn and I went for coffee and uh, well, actually she bought breakfast because I bought breakfast the time before. <laughs> That's one way to even out. So it's all get it this time, you get it next time. But we talked about insurance and um, you, you mentioned to me that you, there are group insurance that you only need three people on your payroll. So that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not group insurance. It mimics a group insurance. Um, there's one insurance company that offers it. So basically for anyone who has a small business um, that has at least three employees, it's, it's optional. So if you are, if you've ever been an employee and they offer you group insurance, the group insurance is mandatory, but this insurance is optional. So it's a, it, it's good for a small business where not everybody might want to sign up for it, but you know, if it comes up in conversation, that's a, it's a good option. Yeah, it was good advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Lynn, for sharing all your knowledge and expertise when it comes to finances. I think, I think after this conversation, we all have a homework to do now and go back and looking what, where are we spending our money and how can we actually like plan out the, in the next couple of, uh, not, I'm not even going to say months, I'm going to say even weeks to make sure that, you know, we have enough, uh, enough to, to be able to cover our costs and, and survive. And as well as, like I said, this, this also all applies to even after COVID. So, so thank you so much again for everyone. Thank you so thank much you, everybody. Thank you, Patrick. Did you enjoy this episode? Join us for weekly conversations, share your stories and tips with us, and meet amazing people. Most of our podcasts are recorded with a live, engaging audience. For more information, visit www.creatorhq.org.